Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. This week's episode of Jump Scare is brought to you by Hypnocell. Hypnocell is a dream suppressant created to aid with any unusual or vivid dreams. Side effects include nervousness, stiff joints, and prolonged comas if taken in heavier than recommended doses. Hypnosil, when the nightmares become reality. Welcome back to Jump Scare, I'm Betty. And I'm Chad. This week we're covering the 35th anniversary of A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Street Part 3. Freddy's just around the corner. The film came out in 1987. In case you were wondering, you couldn't do the math. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> no judgment, okay? I'm the last person to speak upon terrible mathematical skills. Because that would be me. This film was directed by the friendliest guy whom I love, okay? I'm going to start off with two credits of his, executive producer of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Thank you for much. <laughs> Thank you for putting uh, some money towards that. And also <laughs> director and co-writer of The Blob. Yes, one of the greatest reboot or I'm sorry, uh, remakes ever. We did that episode, but it's a lost episode. Yeah, I got lost when we uh, shifted uh, providers. But we actually got to meet Chuck Russell at the uh, Popcorn Frights Festival a few years ago when they were hosting a double feature of The Blob and Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And he is the nicest guy ever. Very, very uh, humble, very willing to talk to everybody. And we found out there that his uh, son had never seen The Blob. That was the first time his son was watching the movie. He was right there in the audience with everyone. So that was kind of neat. It was kind of neat. And, like, mind-blowing. Yeah. But I guess, you know, you grow up with that kind of stuff. You don't always run out and show your kids, hey, look at this movie I made 20 years ago. 
Yeah, I guess it's one of those things like for me, I'm like, um, if I if I was the child of someone that made horror movies, I'd be all in it. I'd be wanting to know every I would be on set, I would do whatever I could to be a part of it, you know, like sideline stuff and or or if I couldn't watch the movie, you know what I mean? Like I s like Oh, here I am, seven-year-old, like, Betty, trying to steal, like, you know, the VHS tape, pop it in and watch it. But it's just one of those things, like, would they, you, you they know? Grew, yeah. <laughs> they, grew, they grew up with it, so it's just, like, old, is this old news to them? Now, Chuck Russell also directed some other notable films, like The Mask. Uh, he directed episodes of Fringe, The Scorpion King, the original movie. And uh, he made a movie with Arnold, Eraser. He did that one from, I saw it when it came out, but I don't remember much about it. The one with Kim Basinger called Bless This Child. He did that as well, but I don't remember too much about that movie. It was kind of a big deal at the time, but it's kind of faded away now. Okay. I, I mean, I guess you had to add these other credits. I only hear about The Blob <laughs> and, and this and... movie and Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Well, I've seen those others a few times myself, so I, I wanted to throw those in there. Now, also in the starring in the movie, uh, we've got Heather Langenkamp returning uh, for the first time since the original, and we've got John Saxon returning also. And of course, Robert England is back as Freddy Krueger because there was no way they could do these movies without him. And the cast of Dream Warriors includes Patricia Arquette in what's her film debut, uh, Ken Sagos, Rodney Eastman, Jennifer Rubin, Bradley Gregg, and Ira Heaton. Now, also in a small role in this, we have a actor named Larry Fishburne, who would, of course, change that in a few years to be Lawrence Fishburne. But yeah, he plays the orderly in the ward on this one. And uh, it's funny to see him now because you don't realize how long ago this movie was until you start looking at some of the people and go, oh, yeah, that has been a long, long time. Uh, it was also co-written by Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont. Yes, another great guy. Um <laughs> The uh, There was an original screenplay for it that was put in by uh, Wes Craven and a guy named uh, Frank Wagner. I'm sorry, Bruce Wagner. But uh, they didn't use theirs. It didn't seem like anyone seemed to care for their script, so they massively rewrote it, and it became this. Craven's script, it was said it was about a, the city where everyone, teenagers kept coming to the city and killing themselves, and no one could figure out why, and they eventually figured out, of course, it's Freddy calling everyone to do it. So they kind of use that in this, they but they just toned it down to from being like a bunch of people to it just being the last few Elm Street survivors. This is the first screenplay that Frank Darabont was a part of. Yeah. Correct? Yep. So, yeah, the opening to this film is my favorite opening to any of the Freddy films because the Patricia Arquette's character is creating... A paper mache house. We don't get the reveal until later. Um, when you, if you've never seen this movie, you know, hello, get get to watching it. I don't feel bad for spoilers for a thirty-five-year-old movie. <laughs> but this is like one of those projects that I've already added to the bucket list when I'm like in my sixties. Hopefully, I don't have like arthritis. Where this is how I'm gonna like you know spend my time is recreating this house, which many people have done. Um, but it's such a fun project. The only thing that was unrealistic to me, and that's how you know that the actress is just doing 
minimal work. I obviously she didn't build the whole fucking thing. But anyone that's ever done paper mache, and maybe I'm just a messy bitch, okay? Maybe it's just me. But anyone that's done paper mache knows that you're not your hands are gonna be full of glue. They're sticky. She's not wearing any gloves. And I think she picks up something to drink or oh, yeah, picks she's up- picking up the uh, she's got the uh, instant coffee that she's eating spoonfuls of just dry instant coffee and then chasing and it Dr. With Coke. Coke. Yeah, D- uh, Dr. Coke. Yeah. I wouldn't say Dr. Pepper. It's Diet Coke. Yeah, Diet Coke and coffee grains. Ooh. Yeah, I can't imagine anything more disgusting. Yeah, you might as well just drink acid and get it over with. And her hands are not sticky or full of glue at all. And there's no residue on any of these things that she's touching. So I was just like, no. Yeah, and then her workspace is perfectly clean, too. Yeah, I'm like, no, girl. You just stepped in and just added, like, a twig here. Yeah. Uh, uh, she's not working with twigs, but a popsicle here. She's put a couple of popsicle sticks in. And, and like, said, two thing, two strips of newspaper. So that's what I'm going to be doing in my in my late years. In your, in your retirement years? Yes. Uh, immediately, you know, she, the mom, you know, there's always, the parents are always assholes in all these films, which is why I feel like if they were to, if I were to do like an alternate universe, I feel like either the kids go after the parents and that might be a little much, but the parents just need to go away because they're terrible. They're useless. No, like... If I was Freddie, I would have gone after the parents because they were the ones responsible for what happened. I get like the whole revenge thing. Like I'm going to take something away you love. Spoiler alert, Freddie. Those parents did not give three fucks about their kids. Well, not the ones in this one. In the original, they cared a little bit more about the they kids. They did not care about their kids. The No one cared about their kids, okay? <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. We're going to get into it. John Saxon's character, he was like, oh, silly bitch daughter. You you don't know what you're talking about. You even you though sick. we chased a guy down and burned him alive a little while ago, you are totally off base with all this shit about there being a demon guy that's burned chasing you around. Mom Yeah, okay, I see. She was a drunk, okay? She had bottles hidden in the towels, okay. The the teenage daughter was taking care of her ass. Who was taking care of Nancy? Nobody. Okay? So table parents. Parents are cautiously, Johnny Depp's parents. Okay, one was just the typical dad sitting in front of the TV, you know, a porker, like, just that's all he's doing. He's just watching football or sports or whatever. Then the mom, she's just like, you know, oh, and then the, the part where, like, she he gets the call and the parents are like, because, you know, of course, it's teenagers are going to have a telephone in his room. Like, come on. Um, is like, no, you're going to have to talk to him tomorrow. And just hangs up. You got to be firm with these kids or whatever the fuck he says. And it's like, okay, now your son is dead. So are you happy with yourself? are you happy he's all fucking sprayed against the fucking ceiling so those were terrible parents we're not even getting to the parents in part two just i i don't i don't even think there's parents in part two. Oh yeah there is they're just as bad there's there's the coach who's you know doing his thing living his best life in the clubs and then everyone else is just running amok so these parents also terrible mom's self-involved she only cares about the d like, she's worried about the D. What's the D doing? He wants Brandy. Like, she's like, oh. And even when Nancy visits her, she still is just like, ah, what do you expect me to do? I'll give her more credit cards? I'm like, uh, no. Go away. Yeah, and uh, 
Patricia, our kid's parents are really the only ones that we see in this. We only see her mom. No one else's parents ever show up or even vaguely mentioned. They're just like, yeah, we're locked up in here. You gave Patricia, our kid's parents, too many parents. She only had one parent. She was a hoe. And she was running around town with her fake jewels trying to hook up with all the rich guys. With all the other, you know, because she was a fluent person. She was all hanging it out there. She did not, there was no daddy in the picture. Which is why poor Patricia Arquette maybe gets murdered. No, just just kidding. Obviously, it's 35 years. You know that she doesn't get murdered. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, you know, that whole like scene is the opening scene of her making the paper mache and then the my favorite part of the movie okay there's many there's scenes here and there the part where she encounters one of the little blonde-headed children okay a little girl on the tricycle horror movies have taught me never to trust blonde children yes blonde children are evil they're gonna come get you now any of you listening that have a blonde child don't feel some kind of way. Take it up with the horror movies, okay? Because yeah, that's what the, the horror that, movies have they're said. They're the ones that have made this stereotype for the last, oh, I don't know, 70 years. Yeah, Village of the Damned. Uh, you know, what's that one? Uh, Poltergeist. Little, Poltergeist. The little girl who lives down the lane. All these are little blonde children just staring at you with dead eyes. You're like, no. No, go away. They're the single reason that most people don't want to have kids is they watch these horror movies. Yeah. Oh, The Bad Seed. Mm-hmm. Blonde-headed girl. Yeah. All out to get you. No. No and no. So, here's a blonde-headed girl. She picks her up. Uh, she follows her into the house because, you know, a little girl would go into a creepy house and then down to, like, the boiler room. And and how she got the tricycle down the bo- down the steps in the boiler room. That's what I want to know. She it just flew down there. Like, obviously, we know <laughs> she's not real, but she's a dream, whatever. But come on. So, that happens. She comes to rescue the little girl. She don't even know where she's at, Patricia Arquette. She comes to rescue the little girl. From that point on, the little girl's not real. It's a doll. It has the worst fucking wig I've ever seen. It's like a wig from like the most ghettoist story you've ever seen. It's terrible. <laughs> and she's running. Let me tell you, I've ran with a child in my arms. That is not the look, okay? <laughs> the, it looks terrible. But also, I love it because it just it just looks so bad. You just have to laugh. Well, that's kind of thing too. Like you can always chalk that up to that's the way it is in the dream, because dream, you know, nightmares are weird and like that. So she's she's just doing it. It's all nightmare logic. So you can chalk it up to that and just go, okay, that's why that's happening. I do like that in this in this movie, and that's a common, you know, thing in all the films. The nightmare sequences, the dream sequences, are just so realistic. You've either had a dream like that. You know, or in the dream realm, there's no, you know, it's endless possibilities of what can happen to you. Um, So the part where she's like trying to run away, but she's stuck in like the tar or whatever the hell it is. And she can't lift her legs out of it because the floor is all of a sudden like oiled or whatever. That Yes, that has happened. Like, come on. Some crazy shit like that has happened to people in their dreams. So I do love the slash realism when it comes to yeah. the dream, you know. It definitely adds to the whole world. Um, and I have to say that re-watching this film, I feel like, and I don't know if this is a thing, maybe they talk about this, maybe it's just my imagination, but did you notice that Robert England really isn't, this, isn't in this movie as much? 
he's in the movie, but like sprinkled, even though technically the movie, I'm not going to say it's about him, but isn't it? <laughs> he has a lot of one-liners. Yeah, which this, is... was, this was really the first one where like, you know, the first one, he didn't have a lot of one-liners. The second one, he had a few here and there. But this is the one where they really, when you think about Freddy and the one-liners, this is the one where you're thinking about it. Yeah. You know? And I think it's because Freddy had been popular with the first one, but the second one wasn't as popular. And, you know, there was a whole drama on that one where they were going to try and recast Robert England because they didn't think he was, you know, necessary for it. So I think they were trying to limit his screen time a little bit, maybe, to try and keep him from demanding more money for the next ones. But by the end of this one, it was pretty obvious that you couldn't really replace Robert England, and they kind of had to give in and give him what he wanted. If you notice, like you said, he's not in this one a lot, but if you notice, like Dream Master, he's in a lot. Dream Child, he's in a lot. Because I think that's the, you know, they started pushing him more. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, the kids weren't the draw. It was coming to see Freddy and how Freddy was going to murder everyone that became the draw. Yeah, because he's the selling point in that part. But... You know what else is wild? Think about it. Freddy, right? He committed these crimes in like the 60s, right? And then um, around the 60s-ish. And then later, those parents, you know, their kids grow up and they're teenagers in the 80s. And he waited maybe, let's just say like 15 years probably. It was a pretty long time for him to start killing the kids. That's when he started going after them. Then later on, it's like the more time he waits... The more chatty he became. He was lonely. <laughs> he was just lonely. He was like, look, I, I'm introducing myself. I'm just, you know, going around, killing the Elm Street kids. And then the second one, he had, you know, all these one-liners, you know, trying to, like, be jokey joke, like, best friends. And then after that, he just became Chatty Cathy. Is there anyone, I can't remember, is there any of the movies where Freddie actually said, I'm doing this because of your parents? I don't think he ever really says to the kids, like, I'm doing this because of your parents. I I don't remember. I do know, which just pissed me off, and the one where it's the um, Dream Master. No, not Dream Master. I'm sorry. The one, the video game one, the one that came out in the 90s. That's uh, Freddy's Dead, I think. Freddy's Dead, okay. And that one in the beginning where the kid's on the airplane. Yeah, that's part six. He does say to the kid, like, you're the last kid on Elm Street or whatever. But I don't think he, like, goes into any further explanation or, like, why he's doing it. I don't know. We'd have to look that up. Yeah, I don't think he does. I don't think he ever directly says to any of them, I'm killing you because of what your parents did. I think it's all the kids investigating and doing their thing out. and figuring out, like going through the microfish and all that shit and doing their fucking whatever. Now they would just put in Google. They would they would go to Google, right? But they would put F R and then like twenty articles like with photos and everything would come <laughs> up about Freddie. And the first site they went to would have all the information they needed. Yeah, they didn't need to go click any other links. It's gonna be the first site. You know why? Because those people they paid higher, like more money to be on the first line. That's yeah. why. And you just get lucky every single time. But yeah, that'd be that'd be a cool explanation, a new one, if they ever finally do a reboot of this, to have Freddy actually telling them. Do we really need them, Freddy, to tell them? I, doesn't it take away the mystique of the character if they have to go into this whole monologue of like, I feel it's a little dramatic, like, oh, I'm killing you because your parents, you know, killed me, even though Freddy I was molested. Shows the parents, 
you know, they see in the dream, they see their parents and killing him and like, you know, very violent. You know, they see him like throwing the gasoline on him and everything. And then he, they pop out of the dream and they ask their, like, tell their parents, you know, oh, I had this crazy dream. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. We would never do that. And they got the major shifty eyes going yeah. on. I think either there's a voiceover of a crowd and like the fire. That does happen in one of the films. It's yeah. either a voiceover or like a quick thing where you like see like a scene like them in front of the house with like the fire. Yeah, they're in the... like a warehouse now. I think that might yeah. be an episode of the Freddy's Nightmares. Well, I don't know. I was not old enough to watch that. And also those were terrible. No offense. Yeah, I haven't watched it. I've watched the premiere. It's on the box set here, but I haven't seen the other stuff in a long time. I saw maybe like one episode. I, I really don't have a recollection of... I have a. Re- I do remember watching something, but I'm not sure if it was a commercial. Because I remember there was like the Freddy's Hotline too, right? Yeah, you could call the Freddy Hotline and he would talk to you for like 50 cents a minute. Like, what do you say to Freddy for that length of time? First of all, what are you telling Freddy? And what is he responding? Please, anyone has a recording of that, please uh, share it with us because that'd Let's be... Let's try and look that. Now, there's a Freddy album, too. There's the Freddy album where he... It's not Robert England. It's just someone doing a Freddy voice and they do a bunch of songs. Okay, well, that sounds terrible. But no, what would Freddy say? Like, because that's all... Is it really? Obviously, it's not going to be really Robert England. It's going to be sure someone else, or is it pre-recorded? Things. But how does it know? Because this is back in like late or early nineties, right? When they did the Freddy yeah, thing. I have to try and look that up, and we'll put a in the episode like when we do some things. I will some links to it if I can find it. Yeah, and see uh, like if there's anyone that has some recordings of the Freddy Hotline because I'd love to know what it was. Yeah, I do. There is. It's a there's a YouTube video. I'm pretty sure of the Freddy Hotline because I remember seeing it and I know I've heard it. But my thing is, like, when you call in. That's what I want to know. When you call in. Hi, Freddy. How you doing? You going to stalk me in my dreams? Like, what the fuck does he say? Like, yes, bitch. I'm going to come and get you. Like, what? what is Freddy saying? <laughs> I yeah, I want to know how, like, interactive it was. Was it just you called up and listened to a recording of Freddy? Or did you were you able to interact with him? Now we've got all these questions about this. We'll try and find out. Also, can we bring back hotlines? They were so fun. Like, what is it they're also do? Like, I, I, who cares? Social media is so boring. Like, can we be more interactive <laughs> with, we have the, with Freddy the hotlines? Back? <laughs> bring back the Freddy hotline. <laughs> yeah, this one was really like for the amount of money they had on this and the time they worked on it. They pulled off a lot of amazing effects on this. The giant Freddy snake that swallows Patricia Arquette in it still to this day looks convincing and creepy. Yeah, it does. And all the effects of, you know, one of my favorite kills in this movie is where the guy gets his veins pulled out and he works like, they work him like a puppet to walk up to the tower and jump off. And it looks fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah. But I have to say that Wes Craven's team, like, that team that they put together, whoever put that together, that team, the effects team for the first one and the third one, and we'll just add them all. First, one, two, three, um, because we're just going to discuss the beginnings, are just amazing. Like, they're just the things, so innovative, just the things they had to do because they actually had to put their brains together and actually work, as opposed to pressing a button or, you know, coloring some fucking thing and some whatever. That just, it's just such an art, a lost art. Yeah, you couldn't just, you know, do it all. And it still looks good. Yeah. Like, let's, let's say, like, 
a freaking movie that used, you know, let's go back to like 2000 that has CGI. You see that shit today? That shit looks terrible. Like a lot yeah. of those movies are like, oh God, that didn't hold up. This holds up and it's 35 years old. Well, it was because they had Screaming Mad George working on this one. Oh, our favorite guy. Yeah. Screaming Mad George. Kevin Yeager did the uh, Freddy makeup. I think that's all he did on this was just Freddy's makeup. But still, he did an amazing job on it. And you hardly ever, you know, you're never going to beat that Freddy makeup. It looks amazing. You also had Mark Shawstrom working on this. And he worked on things like From Beyond, Evil Dead 2, which also came out the same year. Wow. He worked on Phantasm 2 as well. We need to get this guy in. So this guy worked <laughs> on a lot of stuff. I also know that like Robert Kurtzman worked on this, who went on to do like the effects in From Beyond. Yes. Or, I'm sorry, I guess it came out the year before, so they had already done that. But I met him one time at Spooky Empire too. He's also very nice. Uh, he was selling a lot of their stuff off there, and it was very creepy to see like all these heads and everything just sitting there that they were selling. Man, I wish I would have bought a head. That's awesome. So the film has the film is known, okay, to like the, the fans for having the most incredible like freaking horror film song that literally has the name of the movie in the song. Yeah. And it's by <laughs> the fantastical band Dawkin. There's two freaking songs in this movie. If that was a movie today, they would be like 20 songs and maybe like three composed like fucking songs. Two songs, both by Dawkins, Into the Fire, okay? And Dream Warriors. I just I just went in right now. I just went in. I just went. <laughs> yeah, you know, later on with horror soundtracks, they would put a lot of stuff because soundtracks became big business. I maybe because of this because I'm sure a lot of people bought Excuse me, bought the night round Elm Street just to get Dawkins' song on this. The video What's, was what, very What was the name of the song? And uh, <laughs> they even had a music video for it that's pretty great, too. Yeah, they I'll did. I'd have to put some links up to that as well, because I love the video where Freddy wakes up at the end of it, and it's like, oh, that's so creepy. Who are those guys? Yeah, it's like, oh, Freddy's scared. Now, there's, you know, in the film, there's... This, they still stay with the suicides. Yep. All these teens are committing suicide. And we have some of them that are in this... It's not... Are we going to call it... Is it an asylum? It's a hospital. Yeah, it's like the psychiatric ward of a hospital. Yeah, and there's like a teen ward. It literally reminds me of um, that movie with Angelina Jolie um, and uh, Wona Ryder. Where there's Girl like, Interrupted? Yes. Mind you, I read the novel and I couldn't fucking remember the name. Um, yes, Girl Interrupted, where it's just like a whole ward where just like all the kids and they have the living area, you know, and all these kids have different issues. I mean, di like personal issues, but it's all mostly Freddy, with the exception of Jennifer Rubin's character, who was a druggie pre-Freddy. Yeah. And this is also a hospital with what I'm going to call a sketchy record at best. Because this is the hospital where we find out a little bit more about the origin of Freddy. That Freddy was kind of doomed from the beginning to be evil because we find out that Freddy's mother, whose ghost as a nun still haunts the hospital. Amanda Kruger, who I forgot that she was a ghost when I was re-watching the film. And I thought that she was a real life person. I was like, man, how is this woman showing up all, all the place and no one ever sees her? Oh, she's a ghost. Mind you, she's dressed in all in white. Her name is Amanda Kruger. Yep. And she explains to the doctor leading the one of the helping Nancy with all these kids that, yeah, Amanda got locked into the uh, psychiatric ward, the criminal psychiatric ward back when they had it, 
for the long weekend and she was there for days before anyone found her and all the inmates just passed her around as their personal sex toy. So when they finally found her, as they said, she uh, had been raped by all the inmates and was pregnant. So Freddy Krueger was the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. It wasn't 10,000 maniacs? No, that's the band. Okay. You get I them confused every now and then. I could have sworn it was 10,000 maniacs. One, that's a more of an impressive number. Two, okay... I'm thinking like, okay, it's a criminal ward. There's going to be a lot of a lot of people. God, there were ten thousand people in there. <laughs> Plus, I don't. She think did she say served. she was barely alive when they opened the door. I mean, it's only a hundred guys. Like only a hundred. <laughs> wow. Anyways, yes. Now that's a very serious, and that's actually the horrifying part of the. Yeah, that's probably the scariest. I part got of the right fucking there. willies thinking of like the heebie-jeebies thinking about it because it is pretty terrible. A moment of silence for Amanda Kruger. Okay. But yeah, so she explains that to the other doctor that's helping out all the kids. And he takes this information and does nothing with it, really. What is he going to say? Uh, Ghost nun is telling me some crazy information? That's true. I no one was going to believe him. He was a man of science. Okay, he can't go around saying that he fucking saw a fucking ghost. That he doesn't even know that that she's a ghost. He doesn't find out she a ghost until the end of the movie. Okay, so... No one was going to... He barely believed Nancy, who, by the way, okay, this is my another favorite part. So, Patricia Arquette, she was coerced to slit her wrists by Freddie, right? Freddie was like, ha, ha, ha. And then she, mom comes in and like, oh, shit, I have a razor blade and I've cut my fucking wrist. Um, the right way as um, the craft, uh, Nancy, Nancy from the yeah. craft... <laughs> says right so she's bleeding everywhere whatever she gets into this hospital she's creased because they want to put her under like they want to put they want to sedate her and she's not into the sedation because obviously she's not trying to meet the man of her nightmares um because she knows she's probably not going to make it out right so she's like no i don't want to go there she's screaming and throwing everything over there and then all of a sudden with the scalpel in her hand and she's shaking and she's singing the fucking freddy rhyme okay and then the last like freddy's coming for you or whatever the last line is the introduction to nancy here's nancy it's been six years since we last saw her And she's now an intern trying to save all the children of Elm Street. Yeah, she's a grad student there helping them out, which, wow, she went through all the college and graduated. She went through all that fast. Well, she was 17. This is six years. Yeah, that's true. She she did her juice. She's motivated to get all that. But this is where we find out that she's been taking, our sponsor this week, she's been taking Hypnosil to suppress her dreams and her nightmares. Now, you would think that this would be a thing that they would prescribe to everyone right away. And they try, but no one ever really seems to take the hypnosil. This doesn't become a thing until Freddy versus Jason. We find out that everyone in town is being given hypnosil to suppress their dreams. So maybe they did all learn from this debacle where everyone ended up dead. It took, um, what... 15 years. 15 years before they started using, let's be fair, let's say, let's give them, let's give them 13 years and that they had two years where they were on the hypnosil. Nevertheless, okay, the hypnosil, which that's, 
I mean, when I saw that in Freddy vs. Jason, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Hypnil Cell. Like, I was like crazed, you know, because I was like, that's fucking the continuity. Like, you know, ah, I was, you know, so excited over it. Yeah, now that, you know, this is the thing too. They, you know, like I said, we should have just given them all the Hypnocell and we'd all be, the movie would have been over in five minutes. But I guess you couldn't really do that because, like I said, the movie would be over in five minutes. She comes in, gives everybody a shot of Hypnocell, and they all go to, you know, they never have any dreams again. They're all better. But still, like, they should have tried something like show them using it and maybe Freddy, you know, gets stronger somehow from the other. I don't know. They could, I just feel like they could have found some other way to show them taking the Hypnocell. And then it not working or something. I don't know. But all I know is that these people in this hospital incompetent. Okay. Fine. They don't want to believe the kids that some man with a dirty sweater and a fucking brown hat is running around killing them. Maybe go to the fucking ways that these children died. One kid supposedly sleepwalked all the way to like the second building fucking bell tower with his veins out of his damn body okay well, no, that was just in the dream to be fair oh we're gonna well we're gonna say that they but it doesn't change the fact that you're at the psychiatric ward there's one nurse working the whole ward these are all people who have tried to kill themselves no one's going around checking on the kids. Every no one's few on minutes. suicide alert. There's supposed yeah. to be like someone the there by the door. The doors aren't locked to their rooms. The doors aren't locked to the ward. This kid got out of his unlocked room, went down a hallway, got to another door that wasn't locked, and got all the. So what's stopping any of them from just walking out at any time? That's true. Okay, fine. I'm gonna give you that. His his veins in actuality weren't popping out. Let's go to the one that's like okay. Uh, how did <laughs> this, this bitch do no, it? This is the one where there's absolutely no explanation except that it's a murder. But they're just like, nah, she probably killed herself. Is the infamous one where you hear Freddie deliver his classic line. Then Lawrence Fishburne, I'm sorry, Larry Fishburne in this, comes in and finds her with her head and shoulders shoved into the TV, dangling probably four feet above the ground. Now they still wrote that off as a suicide. How did they explain it? She ran across the very small room, jumped in the air, and shoved her head through the TV. She would have to be like an Olympic sprinter in order to make that happen. Not even that. The brute force of fucking putting... First of all, there's so many things. We're going to break this down. Not only... There's no step stool around, okay? There's no chair under her feet. She's literally dangling there. Poor Jennifer, okay? Just like you said, she sprinted up. She sprinted towards the thing and then sprinted and then smashed her head against that glass. Now And buried for- herself up to the shoulders. If they had just shown her like she was laying under the TV, it was cracked and she was dead, I might think, all right, you might believe that she ran, smashed her head against the TV and died. Yeah, but let's say this for our younger viewers. Because a lot of you have only known one TV in your life, and that's the flat screen TV. Back in the day, those TVs, and by the clicker that she's using, that's yeah, an that old fucking TV. Five pounds, that remote. Okay, the remote looks like something out of a fucking science fiction movie. It didn't even have numbers to go to the channels. It just had the up and down button. So, the glass on that, it was real, and that shit was fucking thick. You can't just smash your head against it with like that. That's not going to happen. It's just not, it's not, it's not feasible. It's just not going to happen. So, yeah, there's no way. 
There's no way that she, but no, the doctor's like, they're writing off, oh, these just kids are just killing themselves. It's because they have, what is it, latent sexual frustrations. Mm, I don't think the issue is because she couldn't play with her clitoris enough that she decided she was going to slash her, smash her head against the TV. No. Come on. But yeah, that's one of the things, like, again, not only terrible parents in this, terrible doctors. No one at any point goes, I think there might be something wrong here. Let's try the hypnosil to stop the dreams. And also, let's put everyone on lockdown. Let, don't let them out of their rooms. Yeah, it's one of those, like, it's the typical horror film with the teenagers. None of the parents believe the kids. And all the par- all the adults in the film are just hot trash. It's up to literally the <laughs> the kids to help themselves. In this film... The only difference is you have one character that whatever it may be, maybe it's her looks, maybe it's her intelligence, how she's able to get, you know, what's his face, the other uh, doctor to like help her in the venture of like helping these kids. Nancy is the only adult because she lived through it. She knows what's going on. And she's the only one trying to actually help anybody in the situation. Um... And, you know, I love that scene where Freddy, like, sees her. Like, imagine as, like, Freddy, right? He's like, this is the bitch that fucking got away. Like, and she killed me. And I've been out of commission for a while. You know, how he gained the strength to come back. Like, he said it's because of all the souls that he had, like, been taking in. And then he shows. And that's the other thing I love. I love, like, the souls the souls on his chest and then later on the souls on the pizza oh man i just love it i just it's fantastic yeah that was great this was the first one where you like he ripped his shirt open you saw all the souls like the little faces trying to peer in it and yeah. get out of him and it, that was always a great effect yeah it looks fan it looks great yeah all that stuff still holds up and even the part like i don't know how they did this without computer effects back at the time where jennifer rubin's character taryn is confronting freddie and he takes his hands out and his knives have all turned to syringes on his hand and he's telling her let's get high and you see her arms and they have the little mouths where they're smacking for the drugs on there that still looks beyond creepy to this day there's stop motion animation i mean it's just one thing after another i saw that the first thing i thought where they're fighting the stop motion skeleton i thought that's like reminds me of jason and the argonauts yeah for sure they pulled some old school effects for that which that's the only thing that looks a little off now, but at the same time, I kind of like that because it's that old school like Jason and the Argonauts effect. Like how the time they had to put into that to go and do all that stop motion effect is, is insane. Yeah, this film is like, it's a slasher. It's also somewhat of a mystery. It's also, <laughs> it's also somewhat of a ghost story. There's a lot of side things going on. They all interconnect, but it's just not like, a guy going around chopping like teenagers up. I mean, that happens too, but yeah, they put a little bit more effort into this one than they did some of the sequels to it. I feel like this one, and they say in part of the, one of the documentaries I watched on this, that they had intended this to be the last Freddy. Yeah. Yeah. You totally see that. This was going to be it, but they always tried that in those movies in the eighties. They're like, well, here's Friday the 13th, the final chapter. No, I'm sorry. That made a lot of money. We're going to go back and do more. Oh, here's Michael Myers. We blew him all to hell in that movie. No, he lived. They just kept bringing him back, you know. So I, I see where they tried. This was their entry to try and end it out. 
and it could have ended it very nicely, but they they had the little end of it. They no, put a little. No, no, we're not going to say that. I'm because... say they put a little stinger at the end, so you know that Freddie's coming back. Oh, okay. Well, well, that's why I don't get if that was the whole motivation, like Craven's thing, like whatever. If that was like the whole thing, like this is going to be I'm the sure end. I'm sure that it was the studio that came we... back and did it because that's at the true. end of the first one. He had planned on having Freddy killed off, and that was the end of it. They mm. insisted on putting that scene in at the end where you realize, oh, he it's comes a dream. He, yeah, he pulls the mom through the window and the door. And it's one of those things like they just couldn't let go of the money to do, you know, they they had to have that one more sequel. It is a very ambiguous ending. Yeah, because if this one hadn't made money and they had ended Freddy, it could have been fine like that. And you could have just thought, oh, maybe that's Nancy's soul in there, you know, it could have been anything. So the whole. The other thing, and we were just kind of discussed this earlier about the whole uh, realism behind the dreams. The other thing is like in this one, they gave the kids like special powers. Because if you're in your dream and it's your dream, you're going to be able to do some badass shit that you obviously can't do. Like there's no limit to what you can do in your dream. So the kids have, you know, their powers. They're not strong enough you know, to fight off Freddy. Only Patricia Arquette's character, and that's really with the help of Nancy. If it wasn't for Nancy, Patricia Arquette, I feel like, would have been dead. Yeah. Um, Her character that goes. And then, you know, you have, like... And I hate the way that... I hate it, I get it, whatever, that Nancy died. <gasps> what? Spoilers, Nancy dies. Um, You know, John Saxon's... John Saxton, they took everybody out. They That's how you know that it's not... Like, when you see and scream that uh, Neve Campbell dies, like, like Neve Campbell's gonna die, that's it. That's when the series is over. That be, I feel like there's... Why would you want to watch it when it's all about her? Like, we're in, like, going into six, the sixth movie. And it's... Okay, so you're gonna kill her off. Like, they're slowly killing them all off. But she's, like, the main one, right? Yeah. And if she can't die... But nevertheless, Nancy dies, and John Sax- John Saxon dies, and his spirit comes into the dream world. He found her somewhere. I don't. I, you know, there's no logic, um, because she's in the dream world and Freddy's like world or whatever. And he comes in and he's telling her like goodbye. I'm passing over. I'm crossing over, sweetheart. You know, whatever. Oh, alas, it's fucking Freddy, like in disguise, because Freddy is a shapeshifter as well. He has his own powers in the dream realm, and not only can he be a sexy ass fuck nurse, you know, he could also be someone's dad. <laughs> and the yeah, someone's but... dad stabs her in the stomach. Yeah, I was. These movies always kind of, you know, Freddy's always turned into sexy woman and trying to seduce guys and all this. Like Freddy. I think Freddie might have... Uh... He was a child molester. It didn't say he was only a boy or girl. He likes all the children, all Apparently. the sexes, everything. He's all about it. Because he doesn't have a lot of inhibitions. and But yeah, he, he does that, you know, turn to the sexy nurse in this one, which kind of reminds me of like a phantasm where you know, the, the tall man turns to the sexy woman and seducing the guy. What I want to know, okay, is the ending of the film... You have Dr. Neil Gordon, which is played by uh, Craig Wasson. Craig Wasson, okay, it's a, you see the his apartment, he's sleeping. He has her dream doll and he has the paper mache house. Now, we kind, we never, we did not discuss this, but 
Nancy, he goes to Nancy's apartment to have like dinner one time and she shows him like this like Asian dream doll that she has like a protector of dreams. Okay. In her apartment. Also the paper mache she took from Patricia Arquette's character, which is a replica of her house, AKA Freddie, you know, where Freddie is. Also that's in her apartment. So what you're telling me is that she died. Either he went into her apartment and stole that shit or she surprisingly left it in her will? Come on. I think he just went in there and took it. And this is the other thing that always kind of bothered me about this is, okay, at the end of it, after Freddy's beaten, you never really know what happened to the rest of them. Like, they all went into the dreams to do this, but we never saw what happened when they came out of the dreams. They all went to jail. Apparently. Now, later on in Dream Master, we find out they're all out and about. But, like, they're all out of the institution and that. But they never really explain what happened. Like, how did they figure that? Because at some point, they had to find Nancy's dead body with all these other inmates. They had to find her dead body there with them. How did they explain that? That was one of those just things, like, you just leave it up to your imagination of how they got out of that one. Larry Fishburne lets her, quote-unquote, say goodbye to the kids. Because the kids actually called Dr. Wasson, freaking out, um, because Joey was you know whatever he was in a coma and they were freaking out whatever so then she comes over um to the hospital because they had been banned by the hospital not to return they were you know aggravating the children and getting tried, in the way like a hypnosis experiment on them in the room yeah, they and found them all freaked out yeah and that's when joey went into a coma so they got kicked out when nancy comes back in she takes those kids away and is you know in like in a separate room so lawrence larry fishburne comes in later which is obviously off screen we don't see that he sees nancy dead uh jennifer dead um jennifer rubin's character then you have the dungeon master kid dungeon master kid he's dead Hmm. then you have um only alive is patricia arquette yeah. And the uh, other guy. The Ken Sagos. Oh, and the, uh, the one that couldn't talk. Oh, Joey. Yeah, those three are going to be in there alive. And then there's uh, dead. There's two dead girls in there with them. And they're going to be like, um, well, Bridget Arquette's in a separate room. She's in the quiet room. Oh, so then shit. Just... She's right. You're right. She's so in the quiet room. Two guys with two dead girls. Ooh, not it's going to look bad. So that's going to be real bad. So I don't know how they explained that one. I would like to know how they got out of that. Also, Maybe it's in the novelization. Did uh, Jennifer Rubin's character have an overdose? Or was she? Yeah, how did they explain that? And then they find. Did that she no have drug. an accelerated? Did her heart explode? You know, yeah, she had an overdose. Really There's no explanation. It's just like this is what you're supposed to take from it. Who cares? Whatever. And then Freddie. He supposedly dies. Like, we need to watch the next one to see how he comes back because he gets, like, his bones get buried and freaking, uh, what is it? The, uh... Cleansed by the... Yeah, they bury the bones in a shallow grave and they're throwing holy water on them. Yeah, he got holy watered up and then he just... Exploded. Exploded and disappeared. Which is the only one where they mention that, like, holy water or something affects Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Because I guess you can't take that into your dreams, so, like... 
why didn't more people just go find his bones? We'll have to watch part four again because I don't really remember it. Because after that, they were like, "Mm, probably shouldn't have any religious things in here. So we're just going to remove that. Yeah, we don't offend any specific religion. And we can't give, we can't give power like that to the kids because then if they use holy water all the time, that's it. They're just going to find, and then like. They just all sleep in a holy water bathtub. Basically what happened is they used what they wanted for this movie because they thought it was going to be the end. And then we never hear about his fucking bones again. And we never hear about the holy water again. Those two things are just eradicated. And he's just... I I remember later on, it's like they showed like like the evil demons. Yeah, that offer Freddy the deal to come back. Yeah, that. yeah, that inhabit his body or whatever. And that's how he... like. I'm like, oh goodness, y'all There wasn't just... a lot of continuity in these movies back no. in the day. Because like we've talked about with Friday the 13th. Between part four and part five, like a lot of years have had to pass. So either the others were set in the past or the other from part five on is set far in the future. Yeah. The one that we covered. How did he take the bus? How did he get to this chick's house? Yeah. So and he took the bus with the mask and wearing fucking jumpers. How did he know how to uh, use a map? They were so also, as you may or may not remember from our episode, he was though very serious about house fires. He removed that kettle of fucking tea off the yeah, stove. Yeah, he didn't want that to catch And he turned off. the stove off. So it's like his mom was like, she taught him some things about being good, but then the other thing was like, but you could kill people. Take the tea off the stove. And but, don't like, don't worry about learning how to swim. That'll be fine. But you know, take revenge from my death, even though I was the one killing around killing kids. But whatever, not gonna get into it. So yeah, that's uh, Dream Warriors. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I do too. I'm gonna give this one uh, four knives. Does I'm gonna it... give it four Freddy Claws. <laughs> I'm gonna. Oh no no no! I'm gonna take back. I'm gonna take back. I'm gonna take it. I give it four syringes. Oh yeah, Dream Warriors. You didn't. You didn't see that I had done a. Oh yeah, she did a special uh, Dream Warriors move there. Yeah, you didn't see my Dream. You forgot Warriors. we were on audio for a minute. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, all, all in it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Jump Scare, the horror podcast. Stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.